0: Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead, and some days are magical, like grape banana bread. Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads, the voices in our heads. Hello, hi, congratulations on not killing yourselves. You survived another week. I mean, what's happening? What day is it? I don't know. This year's lasted 17 years. Woo! What a time. 2020. I, you know, I don't know if anybody's looked back at uh, pre- uh, photos or videos from however they spent New Year's Eve on in 2019, but it's eerie to see a bunch of people cheering for 2020. It's like, oh, bitch, you don't know. You don't know what's about to come. Ugh. Anyway, I hope you guys are good. It is. I'm, I'm excited to. This is the final episode on the six pillars of self-esteem. I think it's going to be a shorter episode. That's what I say now. And that is my intention. But mm-hmm, we'll see. And I'm just going to read the last chapter of, uh, of his book. Chapter 18. Ooh, it's legal. Uh, it, which is two and a half pages. So I'm just gonna read the whole fucking thing. It's a beautifully written piece by Mr. Nathaniel Brandon. And um, man, I always seem to pick art or consume art, music, books, whatever, at, at a time where something happens in my life that makes whatever I'm reading or listening to very applicable. Mom stuff, man, it fucks you up it fucks you up guys i'm i have shows can you come to them please if you are in denver colorado this week so if you're listening to this today, it comes out that means tomorrow the next day i'm gonna be in denver colorado with corinne fisher and alfred hitchcock and kevin McAllister hutchinson uh, we're gonna be co-headlining comedy works and a lot of those shows are already sold out please sell out the rest of them come on um Yep, October 22nd to the 24th. Suck my dick, every other state. But Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, I'm so excited to figure out what the fuck Oklahoma's all about. You know, you hear about these places and you live in this fucking country your whole goddamn life and you're like, I've never been to Oklahoma. Is that what Dorothy is? We're gonna be in Oklahoma City uh, November 19th through the 21st at Bricktown Comedy Club. If anybody has any uh, recommendations... On cool shit to do. Corinne and I always, Corinne and I are very good at doing cool shit wherever we go. We are the fun patrol. Like kitschy shit. You got the world's biggest pumpkin? Okay, I'm gonna go see it. Oh, is that the house that JonBenet Ramsey was kidnapped in and murdered? I'm gonna go see it. One time, oh man, I like, I I mean, you know, I like kitschy stuff. I like weird stuff. I like silly stuff. And I like dark stuff because your girl's seen some shit in her days. So she does have a lacking towards the dark side. I wouldn't say so much a lacking as a fascination. But I've been to a lot of the high schools that shootings have happened at or a lot of the schools, just if I'm in the town. I don't know why. Why do I do that? And you just, you go there and you're like, oh, fuck. Sandy Hook Elementary School. Remember that shooting? Oof. Who's, ugh. <laughs> Sorry, I brought that up. But I, I, we were in Sandy Hook and and I remember seeing a sign for the town. And I was like, wait, is that the place where the shoot? And I looked it up and I was like, oh, it what? Oh, we're like a block away. Can we just go drive by it? And all my friends were like, yeah, that's like a fun excursion. That's going to like make everybody like happier and like upbeat and like fun. Yeah, yeah, rah, rah. But then the school is torn down, which that makes sense. That makes sense. I don't know why I have a fascination with the dark side. I mean, it must be a common theme. It's in like every movie. Anyway, Oklahoma City. And then Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland. Corinne and I are going to be co-headlining Magooby's Joke House. The days after Thanksgiving, November 27th and the 28th you know i don't know if you're hanging out with your family this year i have no idea what i'm doing everything is up in the air because let me tell you the tensions in the hutchinson house they high they high but we're figuring it out we're learning we're growing we're not having as many panic attacks woo woo so if you need to escape your family or come with your family if you have a nice family like that that's cool what's that like um yeah, McGovies Joke House, November 27th and the 28th. And then, so this is not going in date order, but um, Donna Guerreros and I have a fucking crazy thing going here with this new New York stuff. And remember when I told you, like, I want to buy my whole cool apartment building and turn it into an immersive theater experience. I still want to do that. Um, but her and I just come up with these ideas for comedy shows, but also just fun shit to do. She said to me the other day, she's like, we're throwing all the parties for our inner child that we were never allowed to have. And I was like, that's very true. Actually, that is what I'm doing. Yeah, uh, Art therapy. OK, no, but I'm telling you, man, we have some crazy shit planned. If you live in New York City or in New York City, we in the winter, we're doing this fucking event. Oh, I'm so excited. I got to stop pumping it up in case, it, you know, I don't know. I gotta stop pump. I gotta stop pumping things up before I, you know, start the ball rolling on the process. Anyway, um, if you're in New York City on Halloween, that's a Saturday. Of course, Halloween's on a Saturday in the worst year. Cool. Thanks, God. You're a bitch. Um, so Saturday, October 31st, uh, Donna and I are holding a an event during the day. It's a tie dye party. It's a babes on blades party. We're gonna be um, sectioning off the alleyway that we have the show in during the day that's from one to four and then there's gonna be tarot card readings oh my god you guys ever get a tarot card reading it's like fucking freaky look you gotta take all that shit with a grain of salt however i do rub my crystals and light my sage and i go i hope this works you never know it's just like but you know what it is i'm trying and that matters and then on uh, that night halloween night uh, at 7 p.m we're gonna have a new york, new new york pop-up show where we always do and then afterwards, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, well, whatever, fuck it. Um, we're gonna have a secret outdoor dance party and we're gonna have people setting it up while the show's happening and it's gonna be in a location that's not near. It's in the, it's gonna be in Manhattan. It's like a little 10 minute cab right away. But we're gonna announce where it is and I ordered, oh my God, my Amazon package came today. I got so many blow up or gl- blow up blow up balloons. Uh, glow in the dark balloons and glow in the dark, Um tape and just all this glow in the dark shit and we're gonna take over a section of this um east river park Anyway, it's gonna be really fucking fun. And if you want to come You should um dm me on instagram your email address and I will favorite it like I will like heart the the message And that's how you know, I saw it. So if you sent me your email address via instagram dm I hopefully have favorited it. That means i've copied and pasted onto my notes section on my phone So I can give you the link to get tickets to this because it's almost sold out. um, Well, the day portion's almost sold out and then we haven't done a ticket link yet for the night portion. That includes a fucking dance party. Kevin, that's your scotch tape. Wait, hold on. Kevin, you have so many toys. You know, my son, so ungrateful. He has a basket of toys, although I'm just noticing that I did put that basket of toys up on the buffet server so he cannot reach them and that's why you're playing with the scotch tape. One moment, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna go dump that basket of toys on the floor. Ugh, I love my son. I was on the fucking phone with Delta last night. I was on hold for an hour and 45 minutes. Because I had to figure out what paperwork I needed to bring with me in order to not have a carrier because Kevin is a emotional support animal. And God damn it, has he emotionally supported me. I can say, you know, he has helped me end panic attacks a lot earlier than they would have ended had he not been on this earth or in my house. So he is... I used to be like, oh, God, you put a vest on anything and you just bring it on a plane. And now I'm like, yeah, I got to get a vest for my dog because um, I'm going to cry if he's not on my lap, which is true. I'm going through a hard time. Hey, speaking of making $100 million and buying my apartment building and turning it into immersive theater experience, um, I'm coming out with merch soon. I'm very excited. Um, Babes on Blades merch. I'm doing fanny packs and drawstring backpacks because... There's this one drawstring backpack that I take while I'm rollerblading, but it's the material that it was made out of. It's old. It's only two years old, but it ripped because I just used it so much. But a drawstring backpack is the best to go rollerblading in because you can put a a pair of sneakers that like kind of collapse or a pair of flip flops if you need shoes. Because one time I was rollerblading on the west side because I was like, I'm going to spice it up. This was before I got Kevin. So I was just like walking around the city petting pigeons um And then my friends were like, You need to get a dog. You stop petting the pigeons. And I was like, mm, That makes sense. um But I was rollerblading on the west side and I had my straw string backpack with flip flops, smoking a J, you know. And I rollerbladed past the Intrepid, which is a, a Navy ship. And I was like, I want to go on that. And so I took my rollerblades off, put my uh, shoes that way in my backpack, on my feet and carried my blades up to the Intrepid and was able to hang out and see the Intrepid and a freaking spaceship. Oh my God, so cool, space is so cool. Anyway, that is all to say that this drawstring backpack was very near and dear to my heart and then it broke and I was like, fuck this, and I was like, Christina, you're a grown ass independent woman and you're gonna make your own drawstring backpack because I've had make merch on my to-do list for like three years. And finally, I'm having the space to do it because I don't feel like I'm an octopus with each tentacle getting pulled violently in the opposite direction from the other one. So that's fun. So just heads up, I'm going to come out with cool merch. And I, and I made pins. I don't know if anyone gives a shit about pins, but I'm going to sell them specifically to accumulate $100 million for my, um, my experimental theater, uh plan. So, okay? Guys, you know what time it is? It's time for Fuckboy Theater. Okay, y'all. So I'm actually going to read something that somebody that we elected into the Senate has said. he's a fuck boy and he talks kind of like this and his name is a girl's name his name's lindsey graham what the fuck man is named lindsey i mean lindsey is i know many women named lindsey i know the only man i know named lindsey is lindsey graham and boy he ain't a ham well he is a ham he's a big fat fucking ham he's actually not fat but it doesn't matter i don't like this guy at first i did like him like years ago because he would say stupid shit in a southern accent that was like that was funny you know it wasn't racist or sex but it was just like just weird stupid sayings and he was kind of a smart ass and i was like ah, that guy that guy's kind of fun He doesn't talk like a robot. And then I realized, oh, you're just a piece of shit. Anyway, he's been in the Senate for way too long. And if you live in South Carolina and you're over the age of 18 and on November 3rd, you don't vote, I'm going to come to your home in South Carolina. I'm going to knock on your door and you're going to be like, who is it? I'm like, Amazon delivery. And you're like, you just leave it. I'm like, no, I need your signature. And you're like, what? I didn't think I ordered anything. And then it's going to be me and I'm going to punch you in the taint. So buy a cup. And if I find out you're wearing a cup, I'll pinch your nipple. If you're a man, if you're a woman, I won't do that. I'll just verbally say things to you that'll make you think about what you did. Anyway, Jamie Harrison is going up against Lindsey Graham, South Carolina. Okay. And he could fucking win. I donated money to his campaign. If you want to donate money to his campaign, I'll put the link in the description of this podcast. Don't do it until after so you can like listen to everything I'm saying, okay? Um, But it's jamieharrison.com, J-A-I-M-E, Harrison.com. He is making some good money, honey. And he has a very good shot of making Lindsey Graham have no job. And that's good because Lindsey Graham's done, okay? He's all fat. So for Fuckboy Theater, I'm just going to tell you some of the things that this fucking idiot has said. um, Just in the past about various things. Here's just, I, you can Google stupid shit Lindsey Graham has said. There's so many articles. <laughs> Lindsey. Who names their son Lindsey? A mother who wanted a daughter. That's who. Sorry you weren't a girl, Lindsey. But you're really fucking up our freedom, okay? And it's time for you to leave the Senate. Because South Carolina's going to fucking vote you out, right? And if you don't live in South Carolina and you are financially comfortable... I highly recommend donating money to Jamie Harrison's campaign. Look up what he says and see all the things he says. Obviously, you know, you shouldn't just blindly go, Christine said I should do it, so I'm gonna do it. Although, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I, I agree with your decision. However, you know, you got to look into this shit for yourself. You got to do your own research. But here's some stupid shit that fuckboy Lindsey Graham, who's about to lose a Senate seat, has said. Free speech is a great idea, but we're in a war. Okay, Lindsey. Your mom wanted a daughter. I'm going to vote with my party. I just think oil subsidies have to be a bigger package, a bigger part of the package. I'm going to take that one again. I'm going to vote with my party. I just think oil subsidies have to be a bigger part of the package. Fuck off. Here's another quote he says. You could be an African-American and go to the Senate. You just have to share the values of our state. Well, Lindsey Graham, South Carolina's values, you know, not all Southern people are racist pieces of shit. However, they did lose the war and that war was about slavery. The Civil War, that was about slavery. You can't even say it was about anything else because if you do, you're wrong. So share the values of our state. What do you mean by that? Care to elaborate? Non-daughter of Mrs. Graham. Graham boy named Lindsay, a boy named Lindsay. how great of a uh, indie flick is that he doesn't deserve one uh here's another quote addressing the nominee this is the supreme court nominee amy (laughs) amy i want to you know i have a vagina but i don't want any other women to have a say over what they do with their vagina that amy you know amy (laughs) they should name her mom should have named her brian you know let's just let's just do everything backwards it's 2020 who gives a shit Just because someone's a woman does not mean they're not a piece of shit. And boy, that's feminism. Okay. Addressing the nominee, Amy Graham, who's unfortunately born a boy, uh, invoked the landmark 1954 Supreme Court ruling in Brown versus Board of Education, which struck down racial segregation as unconstitutional. He said, you're not aware of any effort to go back to the good old days of segregation by a legislative body. Is that correct? Graham asked Barrett. Let me just repeat it again. You're not aware of any effort to go back to the good old days of segregation by a legislative body. Is that correct? Wow, Lindsay. That's what I imagine a man named Lindsay would say, you fucking hack. And then here's one other thing that fuckboy boy Lindsay Graham has said and you have the opportunity to help Give money to Jamie Harrison's campaign so that this motherfucker can stop spreading evil because he was born with a chip on his shoulder. Because his mom was like, I don't want to know the sex of my child because whatever it is, I'll accept it. And then she was like, but if it's not a girl, I'm going to be pissed at it and name it Lindsay. I don't know what's going on out there, but I can tell you there's a lot of money being raised. Graham said in the lead up to a question about the supreme court's 2010 citizens united's decision citizens united if you don't know about that case whoa there's some documentaries on that one that's a crazy case that basically allowed corporations to buy senate seats and i'm not some fucking liberal version of alex jones like this is it's facts let me repeat this i don't know what's going on out there this is this is something lindsey graham asked Amy, this was in the hearing to to ask amy <laughs> questions amy i hate you know that you have your own vagina and i can't say what you do with it <laughs> barrett or whatever the fucker's stupid ass name is so in this hearing where all these senators were asking amy questions this motherfucker starts trembling in his boots because he's realizing that jamie harrison is raising a lot more money than him and maybe he's gonna win and jamie harrison is a black man and i don't know Maybe that, maybe that pisses Lindsey Graham off because he's fucking racist. I don't know if he's racist, but good old days of segregation, huh? I just feel like we shouldn't say that because if you say stuff like that, I'm gonna think you're racist. Shout. Anyway, this is a, a, a thing I copy and pasted from a, from a recent article in like Vanity Fair, or whatever the fuck, uh talking about Lindsey Graham questioning Amy Barrett recently cuz Trump's like I'm going to and everyone's like okay. um which by the way Barack Obama there was a, a justice that I forget if it, he retired or died sorry I think he passed away um but I don't know and I didn't look it up so we can do um what was it 9 months before Barack Obama left office 9 months and Lindsey Graham was like you cannot Appoint a supreme court judge we have to wait for re-election that was his last fucking term first of all so i don't know if lindsey graham said the re-election part i'm just making that up because i'm mad at him i'm mad at a boy named lindsey y'all but lindsey graham was like "Brock, you can't do that you're gonna be out of the white house in nine months so you have to wait we have to wait and then justice ruth bader ginsburg just a, a, a historical human being passed away
1: god she hung
0: in there man every time she got cancer everyone was like "Good." Oh, god she hung in there man what a what an amazing woman anyway when she passed away we were way we are way closer to electing the next president than we were when barack was nine months from being out of office and lindsey graham's like well obviously trump's gonna pick one fuck you you know what lindsey you're a boy named lindsey fuck off You know, I don't know. So anyway, in this hearing to Amy Barrett, he's basically using it as a political uh, bitch fit. So during this hearing that took place recently, he said, I don't know what's going on out there, but I can tell you there's a lot of money been raised in this campaign, Graham said, in the lead up to a question about Supreme Court's 2010 Citizens United decision, which allowed unlimited corporate money to flood into politics. Quote, I'd like to know where the hell some of it's coming from. The Hall by Jamie Harrison the former chair of the South Carolina Democratic Party, is the most raised by a Senate candidate in U.S. history. Oh, fuck yeah. And scene. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, go go donate money to, to Jamie. You know, there's a name that could go to either boy or girl. Jamie. Lindsay, that's a girl name. Oh, here's a fun one. Because I I was going to ask last week for weird celebrity sex stories. Like if you've had sex with a celebrity or know somebody who was. Because I talked about Leonardo DiCaprio two weeks ago. And then someone DM me about their good friend had sex with him. And uh, oh, he had his headphones on. And his driver was the one who fetched her. And it was just weird. It was weird. And you know, it's not to single Leonardo DiCaprio. I cannot imagine what being that famous could do to a human being certainly not gonna make y'all nice and sweet and sad i'd imagine and vulnerable but uh and then i was gonna ask for that and i was like yeah is that shitty i don't know i'm not trying to call people out individually i'm just trying to raise a rareness about uh what our society does to people what america does to famous people it's not that nice but then i was like is that too bleak anyway what was i gonna ask you Oh, if you're a, if you if you're a guy with a girl name, can you <laughs> just email me if you want to talk about it <laughs> uh, or give me a little excerpt of how your life has been? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of what other girl name, like names that are ninety nine point nine 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 percent used for a person born with a vagina. Lindsay, a guy named Lindsay. A guy, a boy, a boy named Lindsay. That's going to be the goddamn title of this episode. I'm going to write that down so I don't fucking forget it. A boy named Lindsay. <sighs> okay, so I was rollerblading the other day. And oh, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I love rollerblading. Guys, can you fucking wear knee pads and, and, and elbow pads and a helmet, please? For the love of Christ. Just a, a girl can't come to our Denver show because she broke her leg on her skates. Now, look i'm not saying that she was influenced by me i'm just i'm just gonna assume that she i don't know i just trying to set a good example and i've been rollerblading you know pretty consistently for the last five years and i and i oh my god this summer i just rollerbladed so much so that i never when i first started i used all the pads and now i don't but you know what if it's gonna change you know you sending me a picture your fucking x-ray we're goddamn we're just wear pads okay oh you're gonna look like such a loser you're gonna fall and not break your leg what a fucking pussy what are you a boy named Lindsay? anyway um there's this path there's this part this is a section on the east river uh, rollerblading path or my i call it the rollerblading path It's a path it's a pathway on the east side of new york city and there's a part that's really really narrow that you could barely fit two people that's where i always i make sure like if i have to take my mask down below my nose to just get some breaths cuz when i'm rollerblading really fast it's like <gasps> and then all of a sudden you inhale the mask and you're choking and you're like eh this is what ducks feel like in the ocean um but but uh there's a very tiny section um by this like across the street from this power plant and you're right up against the highway the the FDR highway and it is a highway and sometimes it's traffic but th- you know when i'm when i'm rollerblading south I'm facing the cars are coming towards me, right? So when I and I rollerblade back, the cars are like coming from behind me. Just like I like to do the sex. What's that like? It's been a long time. Um, And that little tiny section um, when there's no one around. I don't know why I have to wait till there's no one around. I'm just like embarrassed. Okay, Uh, I wave very enthusiastically to the cars. And when there's traffic and the cars are stuck and there's no one around, like there's no one jogging behind me or in front of me. Because one time I did it and there's somebody in front of me coming towards me and they thought I was waving to them and they got creeped out and they turned around and I was like, all right, I'm a girl. What am I gonna do to you? Emotionally manipulate you? Okay, boo hoo. What's the worst I can do to you, dude? I'm a girl. I could tell you, you really remind me of your father. I don't know, (laughs) but I I love waving very enthusiastically oh kevin oh god that my neighbors they're, i think they're killing their dog kevin no can you not i'm about to tell a story about how i'm waving at people my neighbors it really feels like they step on their dog when they bring it out in the hallway and every time i go out i'm like i'm gonna go out there and say something they're always out the door yeah i wave very enthusiastically at these cars and the other day when i was rollerblading there was traffic on the fdr so the cars were just inching you know they were going very slow and i'm in this tiny little section of the rollerblading of the path and i'm right up against that concrete barrier so i could i could if i reached my arm out i could touch the rearview mirrors of the car that's how close these cars are <laughs> it's safe shut up but I, I i was just waving like i was just a kid at disney on a par- i was waving as if it was a parade that was just me and my heart filled with so much joy that i got out of that path and i just felt so good and then there was um a construction crew working on this power plant like the other some part of the water filtration i'm not gonna pretend i know what it means but some water cleaning shit that was right up against the path and there was a bunch of construction workers and i was like hello boys and <laughs> i just can't call them and then bladed away. I like ran away. It was fun. So I, I highly recommend if you're blading, just wave at the cars. It's just fun, you know? What are they going to see? They're never going to see you again. Who cares? It's New York City. Oh, you live somewhere else? Well, fuck you. That's your problem. I've also been watching a lot of Beatles documentaries or a lot of Beatles, a lot of music documentaries lately. I like documentaries about people that were sensationally famous. I'm just fascinated by it i was watching uh the dolly parton documentary oh man that lady fucking rules she had big old titties and a gorgeous face she was the margot robbie of her time but with giant i mean giant titties and such a sweet obviously blonde beautiful like stunning just gorgeous girl And she was 18 when she moved to Nashville. And she was like, oh, hi, that. I don't want, what do I do? But, and then everyone thought she was a dumb fuck that they could take advantage of. But she wasn't. And she was somehow able to deliver, like, to stand up for herself and also be very sweet. And it just melted everybody around her. I mean, I don't know, you know, she didn't go into detail about the dark, dark stuff. I'm sure, God, I want to interview her so bad. Fuck. Does anybody know Dolly Parton? I want to interview her on Guys Who Fucked. But she was just so nice, and then she came to Nashville, and she's like, "I'm gonna be a star." And then she was, and then I'm just like, "Yeah, dude, she was such a prolific songwriter." But uh, another documentary about music that I was watching was The Beatles' Eight Days a Week. Ron Howard directed it, and it was a—it's a great documentary. I—I <laughs> I know, obviously, know the fuck a Beatles. I love the Beatles. I listen to the Number Ones album all the time. It's—it's it's one of the few albums that I can listen to no matter where I'm at in my head. And it will just have, it just makes me relaxed. It's fun. I didn't realize when the Beatles started, they were funny motherfuckers. They were fucking hilarious and they were cool and they didn't give a shit. I'm like, oh, what you kind of can tell if you listen to their music, it is, it, it, it lasts over decades. It, it, has, it has staying power, their songs. And they wrote so many goddamn songs thousands of fucking songs they they wrote so many hits and their songs are really good and then when i got to understand their personalities i was like oh shit okay that's why that's a crazy um the crazy amount of good traits at a crazy time in the world because in the 60s they were saying in this documentary how if you were a teenager in the 60s you're like mom and dad you don't get me and the mom and dad were like i never understood uh, Ursula she just wants to like go out and work when I'm like just get up get knocked up Ursula and marry a rich guy And they're like no and then the Beatles came along and Ursula was like wow I like them So it, it made sense just in the time And the stress that ev- the world was under or just coming out of and then the Beatles came along and their songs are just so fucking good and they're cool as hell like their interviews they played footage from the early interviews and they're just fucking hilarious. There's this one clip of John Lennon being interviewed by uh, by an American reporter after one of his first shows. When they come, that whole coming to them coming to America, that's fucking nuts. I always knew that was like a a shitstorm of women throwing their bras, but I never actually saw footage of it. Oh my god! <laughs> this one reporter was interviewing John Lennon uh, at an after party in America, and uh, he goes, "Which one are you?" The reporter goes, "Which one are you?" to John Lennon. <laughs> And he goes, "What did he say his name was? Like David or something? I'm Michael, or whatever." He gave him a fake name, and then the guy was like, "All right, we're here with Michael, uh, the Beatles." He goes, "It's I'm John, John." Yeah, it was a joke. Uh, okay, okay we're here with John. I'm <laughs> like, you fucking a dumb American. That's so funny. And I know that John. I I think I brought it up her once. I was talking about John Lennon, and then. I was like, and I know like he like hit women at one point. And I don't know about, you know what? Your girl done looked it up because I have the emotional capacity and the space to do things. Because I'm meditating. But I looked up like, what was this whole thing about John Lennon hitting people? And uh, he said it in a uh, Playboy interview in the ni- in 1980, right before he died, that he uh, didn't know how to communicate. And he hit, he fought, physically fought men and he hit women. And he had a, fr- a wife and a son I guess it's before they got big, or I don't know. Maybe it was while they're getting. I don't who who knows. But he had a wife and a son that wasn't Yoko and John or Sean, and he abandoned them, and that was shitty. And then his original son, or his first son, rather. <laughs> was Like, yeah, my dad kind of sucks because he was like, Peace, and then, like, but then he like peaced out of my life forever, and like, I'm poor, and my mom's poor, and like, that sucks. I'm like, Yeah, that's that is hypocritical. But a I guess, you know, doing more reading when John Lennon met Yoko Ono, he was like, Oh, I'm gonna treat women better. So, I mean. <laughs> The moral of the story is if you love a man enough, maybe he'll stop hitting you. I don't know. But anyway, I did look it up and I was like, okay, well, he seems to have admit that he was hitting people. That's good. And he he and he, and he gave a pretty, you know, insightful reason why. I'm sure that's accurate. I didn't know how to communicate, so I just hit, you know. Men are men are men are socialized to be very comfortable with anger and not about sharing their feelings. So uh, hitting anybody is never a good thing and there's never uh, something that um uh, excuses it unless you're getting hit first according to a bully dad but yeah so I, I read up on that and I researched it and that's what I found so I was like okay well I'm still gonna talk about it but in this Beatles documentary eight days a week they were interviewing young women in England that you know the Beatles obviously were big in England first and they're like, I just love John and my favorite one is Ringo. I love Paul and the way he bobs his head when he talks. And then they, they cut to footage of an American reporter interviewing American teenagers in the 60s about the Beatles. And this fucking chick, who is probably 16, looks 47. And he's, she's holding a magazine with them on the cover, like clenching it like a life vest on the Titanic. And the guy's like, what is your favorite thing? Who's your favorite Beatle and why? And she's like, I love Ringo. He's got sexy eyelashes. The guy goes, what? He's Sexy eyelashes. She like punches a woman in the face to get her out of the way of the camera. And she's like, he has sexy eyelashes. I love him. I love Ringo and his sexy eyelashes. Like It's like her pussy is about to explode out of her eyeballs. I was like, man, that passion. And then they interviewed another girl. (laughs) This other girl's like... Oh, I love Paul McCartney. Adrian from Brooklyn loves you, baby. Even when I'm 105 years old, I'm still going to love Paul McCartney because he's never going to go out of style. I'm like, that's so sweet. (laughs) You know, and then I think about all the, you know, they sang such nice songs, like, I want to hold your hand. And, you know, let's do mushrooms and talk about a weird submarine from a drawing my kid did and all that just fun, simple shit. And today the love ballads are like, wait do you see my dick. Hey, girl, I'm gonna beat the pussy up, beat the pussy up. It's like less romantic, you know? That's why I love the written word and writing letters because it forces you to think of better adjectives, okay? I, I would wager a bet that the Ying Yang Twins Whisper song was typed up, not written down on paper. Because when you write something down on paper, I feel like you come up with better stuff. Instead of just, wait do you see my dick. Hey, girl. Oh, beat the pussy, oh, beat the pussy. Ew, dude. Wait do you see my dick. I don't want to. want see my dick, girl? No, Lindsay, go home. You've lost your set it seat. All right. Oh, yay. I'm on, I'm as on time as I wanted to be. Uh, i'm going to read the final uh three two and a half pages of nathaniel brandon's the six pillars of self-esteem it's chapter 18 and the title of the chapter is conclusion the seventh pillar of self-esteem and like i said earlier uh it's so interesting all doing this book i've read this book a couple times before but doing a deep dive you know on a microphone it makes you look at the words a little longer and then come up with other thoughts and I am going through a, whoo, what a time right now that I'm going through um, with my mother. And it's, uh, whoo, triggering is, just feels like a lighter word than what it actually, it just feels, if there's a worse word, that a more powerful feeling than being psychologically triggered, that's how I, that's how I've been feeling lately. Um, but you really think about these seven pillars of self-esteem, six pillars, well, seventh, because I'm reading the last one you right now. These seven, uh, six pillars of self-esteem, they are very helpful when dealing with um, um, in highly emotional, strenuous situations. You really can turn to this shit. Even if you're being psychologically triggered, I, I gotta say, because I'm doing this deep dive with you guys on this podcast, I'm like, thank God I'm doing this now at this time because I need this shit. Cause something that happens for me is, I just I, I get bullied by my mom. Like I just I get bullied. I don't and 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 I don't know how else to say this, but I, my whole life I've just, it's like you know those you know those things. Those um, wind machine. There's like a blow up. There's a blow up guy on the outs um, outside of a car dealership, and he's this long guy with both of his hands in the air. It's like a little figurine, and he's just blowing around to get your attention and be like, buy a car over here whatever i don't know if you've ever seen one of those or here's a better example uh when people have uh the blow up inflatable decorations holiday decorations on their lawn like the christmas one so it'll be like at night their house lights up and it's a giant snow globe but then during the day you just see this deflated beach ball on their property and they're like did did their kids not clean up after themselves like you don't. it doesn't look so when my mom does this to me i just deflate historically but I've really been trying to practice what I preach. I don't know why I said it like that, but I did. And kind of revisiting this shit. And one of the reasons why I deflate is my self-esteem goes out the window. Because as my therapist keeps telling me, I, am, I have been historically, my whole life, been regulating her nervous system. And that can't happen anymore. So, But when I go to set boundaries and the person that you love gets more mad at you and mean to you when you set a boundary, that, you know, logically makes sense that that is the reaction you would get. But when it happens to you and when it's your ma, it's hard not to deflate like Olympic Santa Claus on the Johnson's front lawn at 2 p.m. Um, But I've been thinking about how self-esteem is just depleted from my body during these interactions and also I need to take time before I speak to them because I don't want to be activated I want to be heated and so I never think before I talk and my whole goddamn life my father has said to me my whole life Christina if you just took one second to think before you spoke just one second and I'm like dad you keep saying this to me like it's like a good idea like it's gonna help me and then I grew to be 32 and I was like oh wow you know what dad you got a point you got a point because taking a second to think which I've been able to do because I meditate honestly I will never not pump up meditation god damn is it a lifesaver and it allows me to think with clarity and it allows me to speak at a pace where I can actively think while I'm talking that's new that's <laughs> new <laughs> So I'm g- able to get through this. I did a meditation with Donna Guerreros. I just fuck it, God, I love that woman so much. It's crazy. It's cool to have a person that you work with creatively. She's not a comedian, but she does so many things. She's actually a nurse for cancer patients with COVID. Do you know that? That's her full-time job. And she has eight other jobs that she's so good at and passionate about. This, this woman's on fire. I fucking love this woman. But she did um, a meditation with me because she does these new moon ceremonies. And I I've, uh, participated in every single one. They've been so helpful. It's a lot, you know, it's an hour of just really thinking and meditating and, and using. It's just, it's fucking great. Hopefully, she, she'll, she'll probably open them up for people to sign up for one day. Um, they're really amazing. But anyway, I couldn't make the last moon ceremony because uh, I had a show or whatever. So she goes, oh, you know, I, um, I wrote the meditation for the new moon. is in Libra, I think she said. And uh, as I was hugging my crystals and lighting my sage and going, is this doing anything? I'm just going to say it does. I think it does um and she's like I did an, an anger meditation and I think you could really benefit from that I'm like oh that sounds nice and she's like text me after your show and if you know I don't, I'm not gonna go to bed until midnight I'll, I'll do the I'll walk you through the meditation she's so good at writing these meditations and I was like yes please and I came back to my apartment uh, Monday or no Sunday after a show thing I did and I was just you know just so consumed with this because my mom had threatened to threatened I don't know if that's the word but she's like I'm gonna come down there and see you after I've been in the boundary that I've been putting up is I want to FaceTime with you I don't want to see you in person yet I'm too activated I don't want to see you in person I've been on airplanes you're uh, in in the category you check all the boxes that if you get COVID it's not gonna go well I don't want to see you for that reason but I also don't want to see you because I don't want to see you right now because historically I would just run drop everything I'm doing and run the second they go, excuse me, Christina? I'm like, wait, you drop something? You need tissue? You want me to wipe your ass? It's, it's crazy. Fucking have Stockholm Syndrome um, or a form of it. Anyway, um, I did this anger meditation with her. And before we did the meditation, she I just vented to her. Having friends in your life, I cannot stress this enough. It's the key to a good life. Having friends who inspire you, who hold, hold space for you, which is a term I've heard used a lot, but I... i I, that is exactly what Dee did for me the other night she held space for me i don't know how else to put it like and i cried i vented i i formulated thoughts that had been kind of brewing and not fully formed in my head for a long time because i've been ruminating on this shit forever i'm like ugh. that's why i've been rollerblading a lot because i forget about everything when i rollerblade um and i was just crying man and just just crying but i while i was crying i was like you know what it's gonna be okay because i'm in charge of my own goddamn destiny and it's okay that a person you know reacts negatively when you put up a boundary i've, I've read people have warned me that that's gonna happen and you know i have a friend that was close so close to me over 15 year you know closeness with this one friend that is no longer my friend and I realized how stressful that fucking friendship was, and we we fed into each other. I'm not innocent at all in that particular situation at all, but phew, neither is she. And but the problem is, I never fucking stood up for myself. I never stood up to this person, and so I kind of created a monster. I'm not blaming myself, but I kind of created this monster where I never set boundaries, and then all of a sudden I'm being told by this friend that I'm talking to anymore. Uh, you know, you don't get back to me. you know, all the all these critiques and for whatever it just triggered me it just it it triggered this friend particularly triggered me the exact way my mom does and I would deflate like the Christmas globe on the front lawn of the Johnson's house at 2 p.m. I would deflate and one of the things I've noticed especially after doing this deep dive into this book is the thing that is deflating out of me is my self-esteem so you got and it's practice man so this chapter this final chapter that i'm gonna read just it god it relates to so everything that's going on in my head lately and i think you'll really like it so i'm just gonna read it and uh we'll sign off guys okay don't kill yourselves you're doing great life's hard but you can find peace okay chapter 18 early in this book i said the need for self-esteem is a summons to the hero within us Although what this means is threaded through our entire discussion, let us make it fully explicit. Yeah, let's. It means a willingness and a will to live the six practices, and they're called practices, y'all. That means you got to keep doing them and you're not going to be good at them right away, okay? Practice. To live the six practices when to do so may not be easy. We may need to overcome inertia, face down fears, no shit, confront pain, Mm mm-hmm, or stand alone in loyalty to our own judgment, even against those we love. (sighs) No matter how nurturing our environment, rationality, self-responsibility, and integrity are never automatic. They always represent an achievement. I love that. I love that. This shit takes work, guys. We are free to think or to avoid thinking, free to expand consciousness or to contract it, free to move towards reality, or to withdraw from it. The six pillars all entail choice. Living consciously requires an effort. Generating and sustaining awareness is work, and he italicized that for good reason. Every time we choose to raise the level of our consciousness, we act against inertia. That's fun. It's like one of those indoor skydiving places. We pit ourselves against entropy and the tendency of everything in the universe to run down towards chaos in electing to think we strive to create an island of order and clarity within ourselves hey remember when i was talking about my boy don miguel ruiz and his fucking amazing books god he has so many amazing books but one of the things he said about heaven and hell because all these religions are like be careful you'll go to hell and he's like boo boo hell is here open your goddamn eyes there's famine this pandemics no one's doing anything about it there's a boy named lindsay who's losing that's more a little bit of heaven actually unless you lindsay um hell already exists baby it's on earth but he said and domega ruiz said this in the four agreements you can find heaven in your mind motherfucker i don't care what i don't care if you hate religion you love religion you i don't give a shit what your fucking uh, relationship to religion is I have zero relationship to religion. But boy, do I want to find heaven in my head. And it's possible, okay? The first enemy of self-esteem we may need to overcome is laziness, which may be the name we give to the forces of inertia and entropy as they manifest psychologically. Laziness is not a term we ordinarily encounter in books on psychology. And yet, is anyone unaware that sometimes we fail ourselves for no reason other than the disinclination to generate the effort of an appropriate response. I mean, yeah, but life's stressful, Nathania. Get off my back. Sometimes, of course, laziness is abetted by fatigue, but not necessarily. Sometimes we are just lazy, meaning we do not challenge inertia. We do not choose to awaken. The other dragon, ooh, I love dragons, makes me think of Game of Thrones, which makes me think of titties, which makes me think of Jason Momoa. The other dragon we may need to slay is the impulse to avoid discomfort. You feel that thick-ass silence? That's because you're guilty of avoiding discomfort, and so am I, motherfucker. Let's undo that. I'm going to repeat it again. The other dragon we may need to slay is the impulse to avoid discomfort. Living consciously may obligate us to confront our fears. It may bring us into contact with unresolved pain. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Self-acceptance may require that we make real to ourselves thoughts, feelings, or actions that disturb our equilibrium. Ooh, spooky season, y'all. It may shake up our official self-concept. Self-responsibility obliges us to face our ultimate aloneness. It demands that we relinquish fantasies of a rescuer. And man, that hurt when I read it the first time, and it hurt when I read it the eighth time. It demands we relinquish fantasies of a rescuer. But you know what rescuer you can fantasize about? Boys and girls and theys and thems and everybody in between. Yourself. Look in the mirror. That's who's here to save you. Self-assertiveness entails the courage to be authentic with no guarantee of how others will respond. (laughs) That's true. It means that we risk being ourselves. Living purposely pulls us out of the passivity into the the demanding life of high focus. It requires that we be self-generators. Living with integrity demands that we choose our values and stand by them, whether that is pleasant or whether others share our convictions. There are times when it demands hard choices. You're telling me, boy. Taking the long view, it is easy to see that high self-esteem people are happier than low self-esteem people. Self-esteem is the best predictor of happiness we have. But in the short term, self-esteem requires the willingness to endure discomfort when that is what one's spiritual growth entails. (sighs) God, this is eerie that I'm having the time that I'm having, and these are the words that I'm reading. I hope this helps you too, guys. If one of our top priorities is to avoid discomfort, then you're a big old piece of shit. Just kidding. You're human, and we all do it. That's why my house is just a toy factory full of goodies. It's all, my, my apartment is filled with shit to avoid discomfort. Do you understand? I bought, the, in one year, I got a piano, I got a VR, a VR headset, I fucking redid my loft, I have tons of coloring books, and I have multiple packs of freshly sharpened colored pencils. I have so much shit in my apartment to help me avoid discomfort. Those scratch-off of tickets, ding, ding, ding. Anyway, if one of our top priorities is to avoid discomfort, I don't know what that's like. If we make this a higher value than our self-regard, then under pressure, we will abandon the six practices precisely when we need them the most. The desire to avoid discomfort is not, per se, a vice. But when surrendering to it blinds us to important realities and leads us away from necessary actions, it results in tragedy here is the basic pattern first we avoid what we need to look at because we do not want to feel the pain oh god this hurts to read then our avoidance produces further problems for us you know, shit i already know that no one knows how bad i am but me okay you don't think i know (laughs) which we all okay then we have uh then our avoidance produces further problems for us which we also do not want to look at because they evoke pain god this is like dear christina they the, then the new avoidance produces additional problems we do not care to examine and so on and then you're just on the bottom of a steaming pile of poopy dong layer of avoidance is piled oh geez <laughs> i said it and then i read it layer of avoidance is piled on layer of avoidance disowned pain on disowned pain that sounds like a yummy shit liverwurst sandwich this is the condition of most adults Ugh god honestly though glad i'm not the only one here is the reversal of the basic pattern first we take that uh first we decide that our self-esteem and our happiness matter more than short-term discomfort or pain we take baby steps at being more conscious self-accepting responsible and so on we notice that when we do this we like ourselves more it's true this inspires us to push on and attempt to go further. I cannot, that is so fucking true, you guys. God, I've been experiencing that so much lately. Because the reason why I'm like, all this, I'm like, oh, goddamn, all of a sudden I'm I'm meditating every day. I've been wanting to meditate every day for years. Like all of these things that I've been wanting to do, I'm now not only doing them, but I'm doing them with ease and I'm not stressed out. But I, honest to God, guys, it's because I like myself more. So it's more enjoyable. Self-esteem rises. We take on harder assignments. We feel a little tougher, a little more resourceful. It becomes easier to confront discomforting emotions and threatening situations. Like your mom is scary and mean in your head. We feel we have more assets with which to cope. We become more self-assertive. Goddamn right. We feel stronger. Mm -hmm. We are building the spiritual equivalent of a muscle. Experiencing ourselves as more powerful, we see difficulties in more realistic perspective. We may never be entirely free of fear or pain. I don't think we will, Nathaniel. But they have lessened immeasurably, and we are not intimidated by them. Integrity feels less threatening and more natural. If the process were entirely easy, if there was nothing hard about it at any point, if perseverance and courage were never needed, everyone would have good self-esteem. But a life without effort, struggle, or suffering is an infant's dream fucking throw dagger in my heart Nathaniel Jesus Christ neither struggle nor pain has intrinsic value I'm gonna cry when they can be avoided with no harmful consequences they should be thanks for saying that I needed that a good psychotherapist works to make the process of growth no more difficult than it needs to be when I examine my own development as a therapist over the past three decades I see that one of my goals has been to make self-examination self-confrontation and the building of self-esteem as unstressful as possible. Well, that's fun. He should have just basically said, go rollerblading. The evolution of my approach and technique has had this intention from the beginning. One of the ways this is accomplished is by helping people see that doing what is difficult but uh, but not necessary need not be a big thing. God, I needed to hear that. I'm gonna repeat that again. If anyone, for me. One of the ways this is accomplished is by helping people see that doing what is difficult, but necessary, need not be a big thing. We do not have to catastrophize fear or discomfort. Oh, we don't? Oh, shit. Wish someone told me that earlier. We can accept them as part of life, face them and deal with them as best we can, and keep moving in the direction of our best possibilities. But always, will is needed. Perseverance is needed courage is needed the energy for this commitment can only come from the love we have for our own life this love is the beginning of virtue it is the launching pad for our highest and noblest aspirations it is the motive power that derives the six pillars it is the seventh pillar of self esteem well now you're certainly not going to kill yourself this week y'all that was inspiring as fuck guys you have the opportunity to make your life so much more enjoyable and exciting and beautiful amidst stressful situations. You really do. I I know for a fact you do. And it takes a lot of work. And the work ain't fucking fun. And as a fun addict, that's hard. But guess what? It builds character. And the next time, you know, a relative that has caused you a lot of emotional turmoil your whole entire life and you never really come to terms with it until just now because you never, you know, were taught to feel anything for yourself. You were always just too aware of your mother and what she's doing, what does she want and what mommy am I getting to get today? And then finally, when she does the thing that she's always done, you go, you know what? I need to take a couple days and set some boundaries and I'll talk to you when I'm ready. I love you guys. Congrats on not killing yourself. I'll talk to you next Wednesday. I remember when you called me weird. We was in math class, third row. I was sitting by you. Right before Mr. Ammon's class. Cause my mama couldn't afford new Jays Polo, thrift stores, thrift closed. That was all I knew. Do you remember? Uh. I remember when you laughed when I cut my perm off and you rated me a six. I was like, damn. But even back then, with the tears in my eyes, I always knew I was the shit. I